What's up, everybody? This is the Inspired Creativity Podcast, and I'm Joe Longo. Each week I get together with some of the most inspiring and creative people I know to have conversation, to chat about what got them to where they are. How did they take the steps that they took to start living the life that they feel that they've been put on this planet to live? I talk with everyone from artists to herbalists to photographers to doctors to lawyers to chiropractors to pretty much anyone that inspires me with the hopes that it inspires you to get out there and start doing what you love. This week I'm talking with Stephanie Moe Davis. Stephanie is an inspirational speaker, a transformation guide, an ascension teacher, and a modern mystic. Stephanie and I go back a couple years. I did some photos with her. And a couple years ago, during that photo shoot, Stephanie had expressed how she felt a shift happening. And even though she loved owning a yoga studio and teaching, that she really felt that she wanted to be doing more writing and talking and coaching and things like that. Fast forward to the present time. That's exactly what Stephanie is doing. Everything that she said that she wanted to do, she's doing. And a whole lot more. So a couple months ago, I started noticing Stephanie's posts and her Facebook Lives that she was doing and things like that. And and they were all very inspiring. So I reached out and said, hey, let's get together and talk about what you're doing, what's going on, and... In that like pre-podcast conversation, the topic of twin flames came up and soulmates because I'd seen some videos of Stephanie talking about that and about happiness. So I was like, I really want to talk about happiness and this whole idea of twin flames. So this is a really fun conversation where Stephanie really kind of breaks down the idea of twin flames and what does that mean? Is a twin flame like a soulmate? Is it a sexual thing? Is it a relationship thing? We get into it. We get all into it. I enjoy this conversation a lot. Um, I also had this idea since this is my podcast. I can tell you all what I'm doing. Some upcoming events that I have. I am a photographer and a yoga and meditation teacher. And I teach um, both photography and yoga all over the place and do workshops and things like that. And I actually have a couple fun things happening. I can't believe it's almost fall. So most of these are September events rolling into fall. But here they are really quick. September 8th, I'm going to be at Shine Yoga Fest in Maple Shade, New Jersey, teaching an hour-long kundalini class from 10.30 to 11.30. If you're in the area, come on out. It's going to be a whole day filled with yoga. A bunch of amazing teachers are going to be there. And that's in Maple Shade, New Jersey, September 8th. September 14th, I'm teaching one of my favorite favorite kundalini workshops it's called punch fear in the face that's right punch fear in the face and it's at sit meditation space friday september 14th from 7 to 9 p.m in this workshop we really you know, we do kundalini mantras and meditations and kriyas that will help us relax and release and let go of the fear and the stories that are holding us back from the things that we want to do and it could be anything it could be the fear of of having to buy a new car the fear of leaving a relationship or starting a relationship or leaving a job and starting a job, whatever it is, this 
Kriya and meditations will help you release, relax, and let go of those fears so you can take charge and pretty much kick ass. On September 20th, I'm going to be leading a 40-day online prosperity meditation. You can find that on Facebook. If you just go to my Joe Longo Facebook page, the group is right there. And I believe I just changed the name of it. I'm almost positive that it is now called Inspire, Create, and Manifest. And on September 20th, I'm going to be starting a 40-day prosperity meditation. This is a Kundalini meditation. I did it last year. There was about 300 of us in the group, and it was really, it was really powerful, not only for myself, but for the people in this group. And what happens, it's totally free. Just sign up and be part of the group and do the meditation with us. Every day you'll be asked to do a three-minute prosperity meditation, and I'll be doing a live stream once a week with that group, talking about how everyone has felt throughout the week, and also leading uh, a group meditation for everybody. September 29th, I'm teaming up with my good friend Elizabeth Sitzer to offer a fun yoga nature photo walk with her Mysore students, and really anyone that wants to come. But Elizabeth had this idea that she wanted to have something like this to give to her students, so... On September 29th, we are going out into the woods, into a beautiful park, Rolling Hills Park. Uh, you can get tickets to that at pranadasyoga.com slash workshops and events. And then just scroll down, look for Mysore uh, Yoga Photo Walk, and you can grab your tickets there. I think we may only have one or two spaces left. And even, even though it's called Mysore Yoga Photo Walk, you don't have to do Mysore Yoga. It's open for anyone. I just thought it would be nice to call it Mysore Yoga since it was Elizabeth's idea to open this up for her students. So no need to do the Mysore practice. Any kind of yoga practice is fine. That's September 29th. And then October 20th, um, this is, I think, the third year I'm doing this, offering fall mini sessions in the Wissahickon. This year we're going to be going into the Wissahickon Park fairly close to my house, just off of Henry Avenue. And it's, it's one of my most favorite spots in, in the park. We're not going to be by any water. So if you really want some water in your images, then this location isn't for you. It's going to have more of like a farm feel to it. Um, so that's happening October 20th. The sessions are 30 minutes. You get five high resolution digital files, digital downloads. And this, these mini sessions are open for everyone. You can, it can be yoga, it can be fitness, it could be pets, family, prenatal. Sorry, I really don't do little babies and they're very tricky to photograph, especially in nature, but pretty much family, yoga, fitness, pets, whatever it is. Maybe you're a yogi and you want to bring your family out. You can do that too. Whatever you want, you got 30 minutes and we'll create some wicked art. That's October 20th and you can purchase those tickets through my Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash Photography. I think that's it. That's all the announcements, all of my own ads that I have for you all. I'm happy to say that Joe Longo Photography is the sponsor of this podcast, serving all of your photographic needs. Hit me up. More than yoga, more than just fitness. I'm here to capture the light within. Now that's really it. That's all of the plugs.
Now let's get into the episode with Stephanie Moe Davis. What's up, everybody? This is Inspired Creativity. I'm Joe Longo, and this is Stephanie Moe Davis. Hi, guys. We're in Allentown, Pennsylvania today, chatting about all the things that Stephanie is doing. Um, we met a couple years ago, and if you're listening to this on the Facebook, you're missing out on probably what's going to be a really fun, silly intro in the actual world of iTunes and podcasts. But anyway, <laughs> I'll tell you more about Stephanie there, so you'll have to go watch us there as well, or listen. But we've known each other a couple years. Mm-hmm. You used to be the owner of... Yoga Mo's. Yoga Mo's. Yoga Mo's. Yoga yeah. Mo's yeah. in Hellertown. That's right, yeah. Um... And now we're in Allentown. That's right. And when I first met you, it was a couple years ago, you pretty much said exactly what you want to be doing right now. A couple little tweaks, Uh you know, Mm -hmm. maybe bumps in the road along the way. But for the most part, you were like, I want to be speaking and coaching and helping people and really Mm -hmm. doing what you're doing now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So tell us about yourself before we dive in. Sure. what you do, and oh, sorry, I'm gonna move this a little closer. What um, what you're doing? What are you doing? What is going on? Seems <laughs> to be the question of the hour. What is this woman doing? I know, because we can so, go all over the place. There's so many things that we can talk about. Yeah. Um, but what's happening right now? Well, first I want to say welcome to the person that I've always tried to become. When you met me last time, what was that, maybe three, four years ago, I said things to you that I've been saying for at least the last 15 years. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, early in my previous marriage, I'd say about 15 years ago, I remember saying how my desire in this lifetime was to be a spiritual teacher and a spiritual coach. And I felt great just flaunting that that's what I wanted to be. But in the meantime, I was a yoga teacher. And I'm not saying that you can't, you know, mix those two together really, really well. But for me, I was always drawn more to the speaking, more to the empowerment aspect of it, more of the one-on-one coaching, more of non-asana-based, the non-asana part of the yoga practice. Mm -hmm. Uh, But in the meantime, I was a yoga teacher for a very long time. And what transpired over those 10 to 15 years was that I developed as a teacher, which we all do. I know, you know, one of my favorite phrases from Sean Korn, who was one of my main mentors back in the day, was, you'll be a really great teacher in seven years. Now, that was told to her by Mati Azrati. So, um, you know, I kind of had this desire, well, maybe I'll grow into the person that I really want to be in seven years, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And I did. I needed all that time to develop my teaching. But then over the last three years, what actually transpired was in all of my yoga classes, you know, an hour, an hour and 15 minute class, 45 minutes in, I'd be looking at at my my class saying, well, do you guys want to stretch or not? Because I was just talking that (laughs) long into the class, you know, Mm -hmm. forget the Dharma talk. This was like the entire yoga class was just us dialoguing. So it got to the point where I really realized how pathetic I was being there and that I needed to finally make this transition. But I kept hanging on to all the aspects of my yoga teaching because I was in the community for so long and I just, kept thinking that that was something that I needed as a base, that was something that I needed to fall back onto, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, the last three years of my life, since you saw me last, I've made 
a lot of changes, to say the least. A lot of them. And I'm <laughs> continuing to make a lot of changes very, very quickly, which is why I think there's a lot of people who don't exactly know what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. um, but that being said, I, I opened this space here in Allentown last year, and it wasn't really by choice. It was kind of something that popped up. And at the time, I realized that I was moving towards becoming this spiritual teacher full time. But again, the fear of, of many things and that, that idea that I needed to have something as a backup plan and I should always just have my yoga studio just in case um, immediately was shown to me that I didn't actually need to have it. And that was for, for several different reasons. Mm -hmm. um, but my spiritual teaching just immediately took off as soon as I thought that I still needed to have the yoga studio. So at this point in time, I'm just about to close my yoga studio and I can't say if I'll have a yoga, another studio or not. This is my third studio that I've had. Um, but for right now, the aspect that I'm trying to develop is to be a full-time spiritual teacher and to help raise consciousness and awareness and spread truth and love to as many people as possible. <laughs> does that sum it up? <laughs> that does sum it up. Okay. It sums it up beautifully. Awesome. Um, so you kind of kept coming back to the yoga teacher and the spiritual teacher. Yeah. I think there are um, a bunch of us mm -hmm. out there mm -hmm. that maybe feel the same mm -hmm. way. And I know one of my teachers, Jennifer Pasteloff, would always say, mm -hmm. I just use yoga to trick you to get into the room. That's right. So I can then kind of teach what I want to, what I feel I should be teaching you. That's right. And the yoga is a great catalyst to get people in the room. It because is. really, how else? Are we going to be able to share these little things, That's like right. these little insights, mm -hmm. unless like we put them here? You know, it's like right. once we and I hate and this is probably going to come out wrong, but it's like when we start playing the yoga game mm -hmm. and teaching, mm -hmm. we start then developing workshops, and then mm -hmm. those workshops tend to lead into retreats or you know things sure. like that. We're we're then developing this like curriculum I can never say that word curriculum there you go yeah, thank you it's like you. a natural evolution right and then right. you do get to that point where it's like okay now right. I've kind of established this in my teaching and now I'm just going to do and you know yes. what? What you said was the same thing that was told to me by several people, and people who I considered to be hold hierarchy over me at the time. Mm -hmm. And you know, I said to another teacher of mine, um, again, somebody who had a lot of influence in the community, and you know, it was before I stepped into my own personal power. And I said, "Look, this is what I want to do." And she said, "No, don't you understand? You must be a yoga teacher in order to do this. That's going to be your gateway in." And you know, I don't know if it's, you know, the empath in me, the kind of indigo child in me, uh, but I was like, no, I'm going to show you I don't. So it was this like rebel that wanted to come out. Mm -hmm. And you're right, using the practice as a means to get people to start to develop their consciousness and a way for you to develop who you are as a spiritual teacher is key. It's beautiful. And there's nothing that, I, I mean, I hold very high value in that. But for me personally, I knew there was something deeper within me that needed to come out and be expressed beyond the yoga mat. Mm -hmm. And for me, that was a monumentous leap. That was a quantum leap for me to trust that I could sustain myself doing my work as just primarily a speaker and a writer and not have the gateway, the avenue of the mat to get people there. I knew it was gonna require me to do something special. It was gonna require me to go deeper within my own psyche and my healing to be able to survive and sustain myself 
without having my yoga studio. Mm -hmm. And even having a yoga studio and teaching, let's all be honest, does not necessarily bring in the bucks real effortlessly. So then to lose that and to get rid of my studio and to say, well, here we go, I'm just throwing myself out there and I'm gonna see what happens, has been one of the biggest fears of my life. But now I know that's where I need to be, is to step into that and trust that it will evolve as it's meant meant to be. So beautiful, mm-hmm. um, and I, I just think it—it's the yoga is just an easier way to get started instead of just like I it's guess just a throwing way. up a flyer and saying, "Hey, Joe Longo is going to be at Starbucks today talking about spirituality." Right. You know what right, I mean? Like, who's right. going to show up? But right. if I come up with a fancy name for a workshop, mm-hmm. like creatively manifesting your life, people are going to be like, "What's that about?" I'm going to go check that out, and I might be able to do a down dog or hold my arms up in the air. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's kind of safe for everyone. You're totally accurate. And what blew my mind was when I was doing, I was progressing on that same evolutionary path yoga, getting into the retreats, traveling, speaking. I was kind of doing that path. And then I finally decided, all right, I'm gonna really start holding monthly seminars with my my consciousness workshops. Mm -hmm. And I was excited, I was terrified, but I thought that I had a community of people that were gonna back me. I thought it was a very natural progression Mm -hmm. to me, for me to step into this. And I had all these people in my community that I thought would be interested in some next level consciousness stuff. And Lo and behold, there was no yogis at that workshop. Wow. And my mind was blown. But what was there was this group of people that I never met before who were all in the same wavelength as me. And that blew my mind because I thought to myself, all right, this is kind of next level yoga practice beyond asana. This is going deeper, diving deeper into the consciousness. Like this is where we're going. But there was no yogi there. I literally was like, whoa, what? But there were people showing up who were interested and ready, who had never necessarily done a downward dog, who had never meditated, but their minds were just interested in what I had to say. So at that point I realized, wow, could potentially the yoga community come on board with this information? Absolutely, we're already doing it, Mm -hmm. but there's actually other people out there besides the yoga community who are ready, invested, and interested in their full potential. Mm -hmm. So it almost felt like in that fear of transitioning from the yoga teacher to the spiritual teacher, I, I thought there'd be nobody, but I kind of maybe doubled my audience, which actually felt really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Then it's like once you dive in to the fear. Yeah. And then the universe is like, here you go. Yeah. I got your back. You did it. That's right. Now That's right. But it never it. looks how you think it's gonna look. <laughs> no. I mean, all those people when they were there, I'm like, who? What? Like, what? These people aren't don't do yoga. I was shocked. Mm-hmm. You know, but they were there. They showed up. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. I find that a lot with my workshops that sometimes people just come you know they want to experience it and I have this idea of how I'm going to teach the class or like what physical practice we're going to do and then I see the class and I'm like oh everything has to change like everything I wanted to do completely changed and it's not that it's a bad thing it's just that the people that came really physically couldn't do what I had originally envisioned and they were really just coming more for that spiritual talk than the actual practice. And it's the same thing with spiritual teaching and consciousness is you're working with a group of people who may be like a yoga teacher. You get the room full of people who you're like, oh, this all has to change, but you still have this recorded history of all the asanas so you know how to change it. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing with consciousness, but you're working with the psyche. 
you're like, oh, okay, like I kind of have an idea of what I'm going to talk about with these people, but you tapping into not just their physical body, but where they're at mentally and psychologically and on an emotional level to kind of create that same cohesiveness, but through the psyche and through the consciousness, not just the physical body. So it's the same thing, yeah. but different. Right. Right? Like everything. The yeah. same, but different. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've been watching your videos. Uh -huh. I love them. Thanks. You've been doing them a while now. I've been doing them pretty actively for, you know, not that long. I would say maybe six months or a little bit longer. But that's, that's a while in it's this a, kind of world when you put yourself out there. Yes. Most people I find are like, oh, I'm going to start doing videos. And I do like three of them. That's right. And then they they fall off. Yeah. yeah. So six months is a long time to really keep it. I've got something to say. Yeah. That's the important part is that I think there's a difference with when it's, it's all about intention. Mm -hmm. Do you really have a message? Or are you doing it for another reason? Right. Are you doing it for the ego? Are you doing it because you're inspired for the moment? And, you know, for me, the main thing is I've committed to my purpose. Mm -hmm. So I, I really, the priority that I live for is to be of service. And I think that's, that's something that, you know, we're all prioritizing something. Mm -hmm. It's just we don't always consciously know what it is or it might not be our highest potential, but really, truly, you're always prioritizing something. And for me, when I started my healing journey about three years ago, um, I'm sure we'll get further into to that uh, mm -hmm. conversation. Uh, when I started my healing journey, I really had to continually get clear on why am I here and what am I doing? So when I prioritized that being of service was my mission, everything about living my life and my existence had to revolve around being of service, which meant that I had to continually delayer things that were not serving me, mm -hmm. which is called the healing process. So, you know, once I prioritized that, that mission and service and helping to raise people's awareness about their own life and fulfillment and joy, I had a lot to say. And, you know, you're talking to somebody who had a, a severe fear of public speaking when I was younger and um, severe fear of talking publicly. And now you just cannot shut me up because I feel as though what I have to say is important. Not maybe to everybody, but it's coming through the vessel of my heart. It's mm -hmm. not coming through the ego. It's not, I don't put myself on camera because I like how I look or I sound or I think I'm amazing or I'm trying to get views. <laughs> I put myself out there because I have something within me. I have this burning passion to share. And if something I say can help somebody, I feel as though I'm doing my job. Mm -hmm. So I think that's why I'm consistent with putting my videos out is because I want to be of service and I've already bypassed all the little mind trips that making videos can throw on you. It's mm -hmm. not about me. Never was about me. It's about being of service to other people. Right. Right. It's so hard to pull that ego it's really away. It's hard. Just to, you know, because you, you've, I know there's times where I'll put stuff out and I'm like, oh, that's good. Mm -hmm. And it just feels good. Mm -hmm. And then like 25 minutes later, the ego comes and like, yeah. is anyone paying attention? Yeah. Why isn't anyone paying attention? I think this is good shit, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, so it's a struggle, I, I, at least I find. I've had both to heal ways. myself. Yeah, I've had to heal myself from the aspects of the dysfunction around social media. Mm -hmm. So that, I mean, I had to do that first. Because if I were caught up on the views or how I looked or whatever, again, that would trip me up. For me, the level of dedication I have to my mission is so steadfast that I don't care. I don't care if one video has five views and one has 1,500 views. I don't care. It's, 
It's not about that. So, but to, for somebody to get to that level of dedication to their mission is really hard and to not let the ego trip you up. But I did have to do that work around social media, mm -hmm. which everybody has to do because right. there's so much distortion <laughs> and dysfunction around social media. Think of how many souls you're dealing with on your own page alone and emotions and traumas. It's, it's, it's chaos out there. So mm -hmm. if you're gonna work in the digital realm and do Facebook and all of that, you better know what's out there and know yourself and recognize what's happening in order for you not to get tripped up on that. So I did have to definitely, all right, don't look at the views, don't worry about it. Who cares what you look like? You're not perfect, just you're on mission. You're on mission, you're on mission. And when you're there, nothing else matters. Mm -hmm. So when you do your videos, yeah. do, do they just happen? Or do <laughs> you, uh, like, ha like, are you scheduled? Or is it more like, oh, I, I've got something good. I have to, I, I've right. got to talk right now. So really how I try to live my life now, which is not the norm, my life is not normal, mm -hmm. okay? So, you know, I obviously, I'm single, I don't have children, I don't have pets right now. All of those things are beautiful, I've experienced them in my lifetime, but again, to be of this level of service, you really have to have little attachment. Will I be this way forever? I don't know. Will I do something down the road? I don't know, but right now, this is the aspect of me I choose to experience. So, <clears throat> when I do anything, I need to be actively inspired. Mm -hmm. That's why it's hard to have a yoga studio and teach on a schedule. Yeah. I, I, I'm sorry. I'm not going to pull something out of a book and, and go try to make something if I'm not actively experiencing it. But think of how, how living a normal life and, and supporting yourself looks when you only want to work when you're actively inspired. <laughs> it's hard. But my videos are definitely active inspiration. And because my level of awareness and focus and presence, fortunately, right now, I'm pretty actively inspired often. Mm -hmm. because I'm, I'm tapped in, right? you know, I'm excited, yeah. yeah, yeah, and happy. Yes, I'm happy, mm -hmm. I am happy, I've never been happier in my whole life, it's taken a lot to get here, Yeah. boy, I chose an exceptionally difficult path, but I am, I've never been happier, and I, I've never had as little, mm -hmm. yeah, I feel ya. Yeah. It's it's <clears throat> interesting how that happens. Like I remember when I had that normal job and would have a paycheck every week, and how that was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, and now it's like, oh wow, like I'm just like creating and doing what I love, and you know, sometimes there's a paycheck, sometimes there's not, but I've learned to like just readjust my life mm -hmm. and things that for some reason were important to me before when I had that normal job are just not important now. And like before I would, you know, I'd get that paycheck and I would just go out and buy stupid shit. Mm -hmm. And now it's like, oh, I don't want to go buy any stupid shit. Mm -hmm. You know, like I want to create so I can keep creating. Yeah. And that's like like the mission, you know, keep, keep creating some yeah. kind of conscious content. And that's where I would like to put my effort so it's like this interesting shift that happens when you pull away from the normal yeah, world. Yeah, pulling away from, from the, the 3D, the, mm -hmm. what we're, we're typically doing, what some people label the matrix, and really becoming, living quantum and living your highest timeline and becoming that conscious creator that you came here to be. It is a humongous process to get to that level. Some people aren't interested. 
-hmm. Some people aren't interested, and that's their choice. To, to, they want to live their everyday life in the burbs with their family and do the same thing that they do every day, and they're, and they're happy with that. Mm -hmm. And part of my job is to not interfere in their process. Right. And to not say, hey, you're not living your highest potential. It's to just let them live the way they, they chose to live. But for me, definitely, I am in that energy of co-creation and highest timelines and, and moving to be of, of as, much, as much service as I possibly can be. Mm -hmm. um, but it takes a lot to be there because you must decondition all of your limiting beliefs, all of your fears, you have to check in constantly with, am I going to be taken care of? Yes, I am going to be taken care of. I mean, it just stimulates every primal fear that you could have when you try to live this way as a co-creator. And you just must give over control and you must surrender that you are going to be supported by Source, the God of your own understanding, that things will literally just happen for you. And for me in my life, every amazing thing that's happened to me came to me. And that is such, that's something I need to remind myself of always because I try to micromanage my process a lot and butt in. <clears throat> Every time I butt in and I get in my own way, I, I F stuff up. Mm -hmm. So, but it's very difficult to just literally sit in patience in a space of knowing and just trust. So, how do you do that? Wow. Great question. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Because it, 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 it it all sounds great, yeah. but it's like, how do you just yeah. let go and have faith and yeah. trust? And So for me, this is really one of the, the prime keys around the work that I do in the world. So I really try to, labels are very difficult for me. Mm. It's very hard, you know, I've had so many people, what, what, what do you do? Who are you? And it takes, it, I have to think because it's, it's many things. There's mm -hmm. many aspects of what I do. But one of the main things that I do in my work is I try to bridge that awareness between the traditional 3D life that people live and what we're born into more or less, into finding ways to traverse into more of a higher dimensional living, or some people might call that fourth dimensional or fifth dimensional living from the heart space and from higher consciousness. How do you bridge that? How do you actually, I hear what you're saying, sounds awesome, really awesome for you, good job, <laughs> I will never get there. Uh -huh. And what I try to do is be that bridge and help people try to find the path to getting there. And when you ask me, how do you do that? It's very, it's individual. It's when I meet with people, I can't give a basic answer. I can give you some basic tools, some mm -hmm. simple tools, in my opinion. But when I work with somebody, we have to understand that everybody's soul is at a different place. Everybody is coming from a different history, a different ancestral background, different traumas, different woundage. So ye, everyone is an individual. But that being said, to simplify, right? To simplify everything. How do we get to a place of trust? How do we get to a place of faith? Number one, you have to choose it. I know a lot of people, because I hold the healer archetype that I've tried to work with, who have no invested interest in healing whatsoever. Mm -hmm. But I will try and try and try and try and try <laughs> until that becomes something worse in me. So somebody has to choose to want to live a better life. Mm -hmm. And there needs to be a level of commitment, right? I used to try to change those people too until I realized that I was wasting a ton of my energy with people who didn't want to change. Uh -huh. Like my family and a lot of people <laughs> close to me, right? Yeah. So somebody has to choose. They have to get sick of their own shit. 
they have to sit and say, I don't want to do this anymore. I kind of envision maybe somebody like who, who had been a smoker. I've talked to people who smoked who, people who've smoked who've quit. And they said, literally, I got sick of it. I had to just get so disgusted by it and what I was doing that I had to change. It's like an addiction. Mm-hmm. Living unconsciously is an addiction. You know this. Sometimes we don't even, we're not even aware of the dysfunctions we hold and it's more comfortable to be in the distortions. So someone has to make an active choice to want to change and to try to commit to it. And to commit to changing requires one person, very often, to start to change. Mm-hmm. Now people hate change, so there's the next step. So then they have to go into, how do I have to change my life? And then your fear is stimulated. Literally, you have to work your way through every chakra, and the first three are going to be the hardest to try to remove the sludge from. And people constantly fall back because they don't, they're not, they don't remember how powerful they are. So they constantly fall back, and they trip themselves up. And they go from the 3D to this, this glimpse of higher, higher consciousness and potential, and they go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And to me, that would like resonate as something as like maybe bipolar physically. Mm-hmm. Here's where I could be, but here's where I am. Here's where I could be. Here's where, and it's just that, that cognitive dissonance all the time. So somebody has to make a choice. They have to commit to the choice. They have to be willing to make change. They have to be willing to face their fears. To me, this is like the hero's journey, Joseph mm-hmm. Campbell. It's literally, you are beginning a process. And it, it, you have to understand, it's not easy. It is gonna challenge everything about you. You better find people who support you on your mission. You better release the things that aren't supporting you on your mission. And once you're on the mission, and you commit to it, because you will go back and forth and back and forth. Once you start to really commit, and I always tell people, you just need really a 51% commitment. Mm -hmm. Because for people, I think they think, oh, that's just, yeah, I don't know who she is and how she got there, but that's not me, that's not real, that's bullshit. You don't gotta get to 100%. You just have to get to that tipping point where you're 51% committed, and then you have the vision to at least see that 50% where you came from, and that 1% is enough to make you realize, I don't wanna go back there. Uh And it's the consciousness and the awareness that starts to bring the enlightened behavior. It's just awareness. And then what happens is, you start to wanna live in that space more often, and it becomes even more uncomfortable when you allow yourself trip back because you realize at that point that no one else is doing it but you, uh-huh. right? So it's, it's a huge process. And I've been on this journey only for three years. You know, I took the slow way around to my awakening journey. I'm 41, so I've taken, the slow way around, the complex way around, and it's really only been three years in that I've been actively doing the work. Uh I've been practicing yoga for 20 years, but really it was only three years ago that I actually started doing the work. Uh And and now I realize that the work never ends. Never. Never, (laughs) no. It just continually delayers and delayers and delayers and delayers, and when you think that there could not be one more possible thing that you have to work through, Trust me, you'll have a breath, and then you'll be back in. So, we touched a little on the work and on happiness. Mm-hmm. And now, let's dive into Twin Flames. Ooh. <laughs> so, I'm so intrigued by this. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I'd like 
if you can tell us a little bit about Twin Flames just before I start throwing all the questions yes, okay. at you about okay. it. Um, so like a really quick overview and then I'll start okay. throwing the right. thousand questions that popped into my head right. this morning. Okay. So I want to do my best to really give you the most humble and accurate opinions I can about this. Mm -hmm. In my opinion, a twin flame it would be the mirror of you, the ultimate mirror of you. So not a soulmate. This is not a soulmate relationship. No, no, very different. So it's your ultimate mirror. That's that's as simple as I can get, and I'll let you ask me questions. Okay, so I'm gonna go right in with this because okay. on one of the videos I listened to driving up this morning, we're down wherever we are. Mm -hmm. um, you said it's like the split. It's like a soul in two bodies, mm -hmm. a male and female, mm -hmm. and that really kind of like, oh, really? Mm -hmm. How could this? How could this be? Can this really be? And I was just so <laughs> thrown off because many, many years ago I had a Vedic astrology reading, and the woman that was doing the reading said I had all crazy questions, but she'd said that there are too many souls on this planet and not enough bodies. So there's like people walking around with half souls. I'm mm -hmm. like, oh, mm -hmm. interesting. Mm -hmm. But then when I heard your little little thing this morning, mm -hmm. where you said, you know, it's like the twin flame could be the the male or feminine, just you know, resigning in a different body. I'm mm -hmm. like, oh, interesting, oh. right? Yeah, <clears throat> so interesting. And so then I inst instantly started thinking of almost. Every person that has ever been in my life. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right, right. You know, and seeing like what what dynamic they have. But I'm just so curious as, um, is there someone that came up with the whole <clears throat> twin flame concept? Well, you know, this goes as far back as <clears throat> Plato. Okay. So it's a very, very ancient concept where you know, Plato had described in his symposium that we were born with um, four arms and four legs, and it was like two bodies, the masculine and the feminine, put together, and we were split. Um, so it, it's an ancient concept, but it's one that I had never heard of until it happened to me. Mm -hmm. This is very, very important. This is not something I was seeking. This is not something I was searching for. It actually happened at the worst possible time in my life and the worst possible time in my so-called twins life. So, you know, one thing about this journey that I need to emphasize it is this is not a romantic candlelit dinner, love story, soulmate. This is not what it is. I know that we all want true love and we all desire to have a partner to be with, to coexist with, to do good work in the world with, and to have things be effortless and easy. This is not what you're looking for if you're interested in a twin flame union. Um, so, you know, traditionally, there are, there are different schools of thought on the twin flame concept. There are people who believe you can only have one. Mm -hmm. There are actually people who believe that you can have a, a somebody else come into your existence and embody the twin flame consciousness if your partner does not want to participate anymore. It's really an energy frequency, mm -hmm. right? It's really an energy frequency. But traditionally the concept was it is one soul, a complete soul, 
that's in two separate bodies, one holding the primary masculine energy, one holding the primary female feminine energy. Now that being said, it doesn't matter what gender you embody. Mm -hmm. For instance, in my particular twin dynamic, he was holding the primary feminine energy and me the masculine. And there are same-sex twin flame couples as well, as long as one is holding the primary feminine energy and one is holding the primary masculine. Again, it's about energy. Mm-hmm. It's about energy. Um, so, And not necessarily like, oh my goodness, you're so beautiful kind of energy. More like there's something so, that is... Right. So what I can say, I can speak from my experience. Mm -hmm. I know that my experience is authentic. Um, Again, there's a lot of critiques out there, a lot of people who will say, well, this is and this isn't, and I think, and everybody's coming from their own level of experience. What I can say for myself and and the people I know in what would be so-called a twin flame community is my experience is very authentic. It's a very old, ancient relationship that we have together um it's very traditional and um it's it's the real deal and both myself and him agree acknowledge and understand the connection that we have so that's important i i have actually worked with people who believe that their twin flame is a celebrity they believe their twin flame is somebody that they've had one conversation with and i'm not here to tell anybody who is and who is not but i will tell you this that I can pick up the energy of a twin flame immediately, whether they're alone or together. It's an energy frequency that I can resonate with because I hold that energy frequency within me, uh-huh. right? So, but it is not a romantic, I will tell you from my experience and what from, from the twin flames will say in the, in the community is it starts from the top and it works its way down. So a twin flame relationship is not a relationship. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what it is, is a new template of partnership. They're trying to create a new relationship dynamic where people actually know themselves from the top down. So we can all admit nowadays in the world, relationships tend to be highly dysfunctional. The divorce rate is through the roof. There's just a lot of distortion around relationships, period, no matter who the relationship is with. So these people come together and a part of their mission is to understand not only themselves through the mirror of their own soul, but to develop ways of of respecting and communicating and navigating through each other with all of these polarized views that you have to learn how to create a conscious, lasting relationship. They're templaters. Mm. They create a template for new style relationship. And how I connected and most twins connected is from the spirit level first. So traditionally in relationship, most often you're connecting from the lower chakras first. You're connecting from connection and and sexuality and attraction and, and, oh, I really like this person and and you start to feel it in your heart. This relationship starts from way up here. Mm way up in the spirit and the soul realm and how twins actually can ever manifest a physical live-in style relationship is if they work themselves from the top all the way down and then end up maybe maybe not anchoring it into the physical reality so they start from way up here in in the in the astrals in the ethers and they've got to work through this very high level of consciousness and then be able to pull it all the way 
down, which is exceptionally hard and very rare actually for twins to be able to make it work as the new style relationship template because you guys are so polarized and there's so much between you two that needs to be addressed besides your regular life. It's like you're living a whole nother life while you're trying to navigate this life that it's just very hard. But through all that connection and magnetism because you're drawn to each other whether you want to be or not, okay? You have no choice. That's the thing. Um, you know, you can try to run, which that was me. I was the runner in the relationship, which tends to be the primary masculine energy. That's me. Mm-hmm. I found myself saying things to him that ex, exes have said to me that highly triggered me as a woman. I found myself experiencing the kind of uh, dysfunctional masculine energy and projecting it onto him. And then I would have to sit and process and understood what was wrong with our masculine collective. And he did the same thing with the feminine. We were acting out in ways that were highly dysfunctional and unlike who we actually were to try to clear and understand. And through the work that we do together, healing ourselves through each other, we're able to then bring that that level of awareness and consciousness into the world and discuss it. So there's many, many missions behind a twin flame union. It's mission oriented. Is there love? Is there romance? Yes, there can be. Not always, but I would say it's highly probable that that will be a part of it because that magnetism and that attraction keeps you coming back to do the deep shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if well, there yeah, was that attraction, you'd be like, ah, oh, I'm out of here. This is way too much for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I was just going to say. Like, is it, is it that kind of like attraction, you know, that yeah. is a good and bad thing? With it? Yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> I, I will say this. Because I, I, I find it, like, I don't know. I think, like, lines get could get blurry then. Oh, yeah. You know, when it's like, oh, well, there's this really high level. Yeah. And then there's this just physical level as well. And how do you work those? Like, how, how do you? <laughs> that, that's genius, what you just did, because that's exactly what it is. You're literally playing out many, many aspects and fragments of your personality simultaneously. And it gets exceptionally confusing because you're up here and then you're also exploring with some elements down here. And when I say down here, we actually took on personality constructs. This is going to sound weird. We took on personality constructs that were so deep in our psyche that we've hidden family issues, collective issues, things that weren't even ours, and then we played out those roles. And when I say down here, I don't just mean like earth, I mean the underworld shit. Mm -hmm. So we were way up here, playing out all of this distorted stuff and trying to figure out what the hell was going on. Besides the commitments we had already established in our normal lives. Mm -hmm. It is very, very difficult. But that is the purpose. That is the purpose, to kind of recognize the duality that is life and to understand the both and to understand that, you know, with the high levels of light, 
is balanced with aspects of darkness. And that's okay if you understand and you have conscious awareness around it. And then again, how do you bridge the gap between the underworld, the lower dimensions, the depression, the fear, the anger, the resentment, and the high levels of spirituality and consciousness that you can access to? For me, he's very much of, you know, the earthy science. I'm very much of the spirit etheric. And when we first connected, we actually both went in those aspects even higher. So it was like, so for me personally, I spent about six months in isolation, so much in the metaphysical realm that I was completely out of touch with reality. Mm -hmm. I was having visions, seeing things, I wasn't eating. There were two weeks that I ate nothing, wasn't even hungry, wasn't even interested, high off the God's bong, in bliss, just, I needed nothing. But I wasn't doing anything, I was hiding. Mm -hmm. I was just in bliss, six months, way out there intuition out the wazoo, psychic abilities, claircognizance, clairsentience, clairaudience out the wazoo, where if I came in contact with somebody, I could see everything about their entire history and then lifetimes previous. It was very overwhelming. So I was able to experience that and I actually loved it. I love that realm. Mm -hmm. That's where I'm at home. I am uh, an angel. That's who I am. That, that's me, right? But the issue is I chose to be here. And here on <laughs> earth, is a little more dense. So I had to learn through my own process of healing and awareness to bring that down to earth. And that was really hard. And that was one thing that the twin concept can do is shoot you up, but then you have to find your way back down mm -hmm. to live on earth. And I remember having a clear conversation with God after six months of isolation. And he came to me as I was sitting on my couch, just glaring at my window with, you know, nothing, just, just completely in bliss. And he was a little bit pissed. And he said, all right, Stephanie, do you want to stay or do you want to go? And I really had to think about it. And, you know, not that I was thinking about taking my own life. I just thought that literally I would transcend if that's what I chose, that I had that option. Mm -hmm. um, I was so etheric and so my body was just... It was just at a different, in a different dimension. And um, I had to think about it. And then finally I said, I, I think I still have work to do here. And he said to me this, he said, well then I need you to get on your yoga mat and I need you to put something on your mouth. And I thought, all right, I can do this. I'm gonna step into this new existence here. Rolled out my yoga mat, started doing some down dogs, kind of remembered what that felt like, ate myself some you know, nice dinner that night. And I thought, all right, I, I can do this. The following morning, I got a rude awakening. It literally felt like God was holding me at the top of the Empire State Building, and then he just let me go, and I just smashed. We'll keep going. Okay. Ah, it's the angels again. It's the angels, yeah. So literally, he just dropped me, and I just smashed. And at that moment, I fell to my knees, and I said, I made the wrong choice. I want to go. Like, this is too hard. This sucks. Like, I don't like it. Just the density came back into my body. And I just felt horrible, right? So then what I had to do was figure out this whole process, this, this awareness that I received really through the catalyst of my twin soul. People awaken through different means and really the twin soul is to help wake you up. Mm -hmm. It's help awaken you to your full potential, you know, through the work with another. But that density was, ugh, ugh, ugh. 
just horrible. And, uh, you know, I was depressed and I was in it. I was feeling it. For me to go through a process like this and for me to do the work that I do in the world and to be the spiritual teacher I am, you cannot escape the feeling of it. Mm-hmm. It's like, you can, no, 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 you're going to, you want to do this? All right, well, then you're going to do this, right? And for me and my twin, this is specific to us, we manifest feelings through our physical body and illness very, very easily, mm-hmm. both of us. So, um, but that's how we feel. That's how we're able to explain by actually having the experience. So that density, you know, immediately I wanted, I was like, no, I want to go now. And I, and I did actually have thoughts. I'm like, all right, do I end this myself? Because ah, I want to do this. Um, but I thought, no, I, I, I've been given this gift. I recognize it as an immense gift. I got to figure this out. And the issue is when you're coming to consciousness, there's no game plan. So you have to just continually go in and be willing to not know a thing and just create. I was becoming my, I was learning how to become my own conscious creator and I was learning that I had more control, more abilities, more skills than I ever knew that I had, but I had to learn what to do with it, mm-hmm. right? So from that density, I had to learn what the density was, where it was coming from and how to remove it. So that right there began a deeper level of healing. And then I was like, oh, okay. Family, friends, jobs, circumstances, thought patterns, limiting beliefs, da 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 all has to one by one go. And every time I released a portion of density, a little more light came back in. Mm-hmm. And it was just enough to keep me going. It was that 51%. I was still feeling it. But it was the motivation enough to just keep going, to keep letting more light in. And when you let the light in, you feel it. You're inspired. You're happy. You're, you're excited to, to, to be with people and to be alive. And you appreciate the experience. But if you are full of density, you do not have room for light and you die. Right? Yeah. When you met your twin flame... This is an okay question to ask. Where were you? <laughs> okay, good question. Okay. You know what I mean? Because it's like one of the, because I know I'm sitting here thinking like, well, shit, where can I find my twin flame? Where where might she be? Okay. Where do you find one of those? Oh, yeah. Where do I get myself one of those? All right, so let me just kind of reiterate, and it's that I did not know of this concept before. So it, um, you know, sometimes I wish people did not know about this concept because sometimes there is that element of where do I buy myself one of those, right? <laughs> um, I, I, there are things about my twin that I'm not going to disclose, obviously, because mm-hmm. of our circumstances. But I will say this: I met him in a very unexpected way. He was a profound person in my life 15 years ago, right? Mm-hmm. But not in the aspect of this. It was he. He was in my life for another reason. And it was a very, very important reason, right? Mm-hmm. So I knew him then, and then there was a long period of time where we did not see each other, right? And then what happened was in 2015, we reconnected for another important reason. And uh, eventually, very soon after that, there was a recognition point. So I met him in a very unexpected way, in a very unexpected time. We were brought together very naturally. Mm-hmm. There was no finding, there was no searching, there was no seeking. So if people want to ask me or they want to know, how do I attract a twin flame? Um, what I can say is that 
what was I doing when my twin and I met? That's all I can give you. Mm -hmm. And that was that I was on my mission. I was doing as much as I could to be dedicated to be of service. I was happy. Sounds weird. <laughs> You're not depressed, a single looking for your twin. The majority of twins find each other when they're married, they're happy, they got an established life. It's unfortunately that tends to be how it actually happens. So um, I was living my life fully to the extent I thought I could in that moment. Mm -hmm. But it was like in that recognition, I recognized there's more for me. But I was doing the best that I could with what I was given when him and I recognized each other. I was happy, I was of service, I was doing my best from my heart space. That's actually what attracted the twin, mm -hmm. that energy, that unity consciousness. And he probably was doing the same, right? And then you have this interaction, and for us, I knew him previously, but in that one interaction that we had, it was in the glance of an eye. And this is what I realized about life in general, that anything can change in a moment's notice. And these are things that we hear, but I'm here to tell you, that's real. Mm -hmm. In the glance of an eye, your whole life can change. We had an eye contact where literally I knew my life would never be the same in an eye contact. And then he actually said, what just happened? It was just like God had come down and somehow like consecrated this union and we were just there and we had no control over it, right? And for me, immediately the metaphysical aspects started. So I've always been in very in tune with my intuition and abilities, but this was some, some next level stuff that I never even knew existed mm -hmm. and really shocked me. But when we were together in that room and it proceeded each time, there would be a bubble. I would see a, a translucent, like a bubble, like a bubble around us. It was a very big bubble and it was iridescent and I could see each geometric pattern around this bubble around us and it would breathe. It would be like, mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of things run through your mind on the physical level. Holy shit, am I having a stroke? What's going on? Am I dying? What's <laughs> happening? Am I, am I gone psychotic? Have I lost my mind? And that happens when you go through an awakening. Mm -hmm. You really question a lot. You question your sanity a lot. But I started, like, seeing these things. And I had enough. I had that 51% of consciousness and awareness and trust in God to know this is very special. Just hang in here. You don't know what's coming, my friend. You've mm -hmm. never experienced anything like this, but just, just trust me. Hang in there. You're not going crazy. People around you may think you are, but just hang in there and see what I got for you. Yeah. So being yourself, working on yourself, trying to be the highest version of yourself, and living from your heart, working on transcending your ego, is how I would suggest anybody to try to attract their twin flame. When, the, when you attract, you're both at this exalted state of consciousness. You're both happy and then you meet each other and you're like, oh my God, I've been waiting for you for 18 lifetimes, where have you been? Like, and you don't even realize it. Mm -hmm. But then again, you both have that exalted state of being for weeks or months and then God shows you who's boss, drops you, and you both have a lot of work and clearing and purging to do. Yeah. So up until really recently, I've, I'm, I'm sure I probably heard of the word twin flame before, but never really, you know, thought about it. 
but as we were talking earlier about Edgar Casey, mm-hmm. um, I was such a he was such a big part of my like probably late teens mm-hmm. and early twenties. Mm-hmm. Like, don't even know how he showed up in my world, but he did. Probably the Discovery Network mm-hmm. or something. And I remember I had this really simple little book of his, and it was just called Soulmates, mm-hmm. and it was just all about his interpretation of soulmates. Mm-hmm where some of this kind of sounds familiar, and the biggest thing in the book was like, your soulmate isn't the person that you're gonna marry. Mm-hmm. Like it's not that typical story tale, story, I can't talk, <coughs> that we all hear that like, I'm gonna find my soulmate and everything's gonna be wonderful. It's like mm-hmm. everyone that's in your life is a soulmate. Like mm-hmm. everyone that, you're, that is, has a special place in your life, most likely you interacted with that person in a past life. And, uh, you know, would somehow, somehow interconnected. And we're all still interconnected trying to find our way back to who we really are. Right. And we all just kind of show up yeah. when we're supposed to. Right. But I'm also so intrigued by <clears throat> all of it. And, like, when I meet people, like, there's sometimes I meet people like, like I've known you forever. Mm-hmm. And then there's other people that I'm like, I know I'm supposed to be a yogi, but, yeah, I don't like you mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and that makes me wonder, like, oh, wow, I wonder, like, is that person a soulmate? Because I don't, because I have that instant, like, oh, I don't like you. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's yeah. probably a person I should hang out with. Yeah. yeah. Because it brought up that that's much. Right. Yeah. It's interesting because, you know, as humans, we always want what's, what's comfortable mm-hmm. and what's safe, right? That's our primal instincts. And <clears throat> like you said, you can label relationships as many things. But really, honestly, you're right. You have soul contracts with everybody that comes into your life. And you have many soul mates throughout your life. Mm-hmm. And a soul mate can be a family member, a friend, a partner, a spouse, a dog. Um, it's about growth and evolution, right? And, and triggering and healing. Um, relationships are lessons. It doesn't matter how beautiful the relationship is. You are, you are both attracting each other vibrationally for some sort of healing mm-hmm. and growth. Right? So everybody can be labeled as a soulmate, so to speak. <clears throat> but unfortunately, as human beings, when we think of a soulmate, we think of where is my ultimate love when everything's right. awesome and he's giving me a back massage every day and everything's just beautiful and hunky-dory. I believe in true love. I believe in a soulmate relationship. I believe that twin flames can manifest as a relationship as well. Um, aside from the label. It's about the energy frequency and, and the work you're willing to do on yourself. And you're right. Those people who trigger you are your greatest teachers. Mm-hmm. They're your greatest teachers. But because we don't like that, um, you know, that dissonance, we tend to stay away from people that we're not attracted to. I'm not suggesting that you go out and you just, you know, try to befriend everybody you hate. But <laughs> <clears throat> it might not be a bad idea either. Mm-hmm. And, and not to run from people when shit comes up that triggers you. I think that's kind of an instinct is if you're in relationship, oh, I don't like this, this came up, I don't like this, ah, and you start like checking off the things that you don't like about that person. Mm-hmm. Instead of being open to what you're learning from that triggering. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I do believe in relationships and love relationships that are highly conscious. And what you label it is up to you. If it's a soulmate, if it's a, you know, your, your ultimate partner, your, you know, your twin flame, whatever you want to label it is as, it's your highest potential in your own experience and you attracting that through another. But there has to be a lot of work and you know, you're going to attract a lot of people <clears throat> who are considered maybe a karmic partner where you're losing, learning a lot of lessons and having a lot of crappy experiences 
because you still need to learn those lessons. And until you're willing to face the lessons, you're going to attract a whole bunch of interesting relationships in your life until you're really willing to do the work. Right? But it's all glorious. It's all, there's no hierarchy. If you're in a karmic relationship and somebody is triggering the hell out of you, that's a gift because that's getting you to a better aspect of yourself. And humans, we like to just bypass all that. <clears throat> we like to spiritually bypass. We like to psychologically bypass. We like to bypass in any way possible to just get to the highest version. That's not fun. That's not an interesting movie. What kind of life movie would that be? Right? So I kind of consider my life as you know I honor the collective I honor everybody I honor humans I believe uh, that I am here for a humanitarian mission mm -hmm. but I also have to keep myself accountable in every moment and I realize that you know it's like a movie and I've got many characters that come up in my movie it's kind of like a holographic experience and they're all there as a divine gift to show me something even the people I can't stand so I try to embrace it all. When I get, you know, a real jerk into my life, fortunately now it's it's far and few between. Mm -hmm. When I was unhealed, of course, everybody's miserable, my work is miserable, everything's miserable because that was my existence on the inside. But now that I've done the level of work that I have and I still have more, I do attract less. But when I do attract a situation that's complex, I feel it because I'm a human. I feel the experience. Mm -hmm. oh, what the hell's going on here? This is bullshit, whatever. <laughs> and then pretty quickly this is where I think more enlightened thinking starts to, to, to develop and where the consciousness heightens is when you have less linear time to understand what's happening. So for me, when that happens, I feel it and then immediately, all right, what's going on here? What's the higher perspective? Oh, okay, I see. This is that coming up because I didn't really address that. Let's go into that. And it all comes back to me. So that jerk has nothing to do with that jerk. It's me. Mm -hmm. But that's so much practice, getting to that it, spot. It where is. you can be like, ah, oh, fuck, it's me. Yeah. So, <laughs> totally me. That's the work. Right. Is when you actually sit and recognize that all of your woes, all of your shit, all of your limiting beliefs are only you. Mm -hmm. But that's the work. And then you start, it, life becomes a little more playful. Right. It still sucks at times. <laughs> but you're like, oh, man, I'm a real asshole to myself sometimes. Like, why am I doing this to myself? So... I think some people might be listening thinking, well, what is the work? What's the work? What is this work that you're talking about? What does the work look like? Mm -hmm. What does your work look like? What's your practice look like? So like, my, go ahead. What I was just going to say, is it meditation? Is it yoga? Is it singing? Is it writing, drawing, painting? Mm -hmm. So what I will say is my work used to be primarily in the spiritual field. Right? So what's interesting is I grew up in a household where I had, my father was, he's like a biblical scholar, but he's kind of involved in, in, in the part of religion that we all don't want to kind of acknowledge at this point. Very distorted, very uh, ritualistic, abusive, mm -hmm. really. And um, so I grew up in this really odd spiritual setting my whole entire life where everything I did was wrong. My existence was wrong. I was a sinner no matter what I did. and. Finding yoga for me at 20 was such a blessing because I realized that I'm not that horrible person that that particular God made me out to be. So finding yoga was a profound catalyst in my awakening experience. And for the longest time, <clears throat> yoga was who I was. I branded myself, I labeled myself as a yogi. That's what I was. And it gave me an immense amount of healing and freedom. And for a very long time. 
and I continued to develop through the practice of yoga. And then like many people, my yoga developed into meditation and slowing down. And obviously going through two kidney transplants, there were times where I couldn't do asana. Uh And I was visualizing my practice and really studying the spiritual realms. All of the illness helped me to go into the spiritual aspects of yoga because I couldn't literally practice. Um, And that was in my early 20s really. So, but for me then the practice was yoga and a lot of meditation. It was dancing, I grew up as a dancer. It was movement, it was using my body as expression. And, and healing through my physical body. And obviously I was doing that not just on my mat, but in my own life because of the disease I manifested, right? I, I, I believe I chose that disease. I'm not a victim of it. I, I understand completely exactly why my kidneys failed and why I had lupus and my autoimmune disease. I, I understand it completely on a consciousness level why that needed to happen for me. <clears throat> but it used to be scheduled practices. And, um, you know, dedication to weekly forms of meditation, spirituality, readings, um, studying, right? In 2015, when I had this kind of profound awakening through this, you know, experience, I went for six months without doing anything external. And I really went through a big existential crisis because I thought, well, holy crap, I'm more conscious than ever. And I haven't been on my mat or meditated or studied or read anything outside of myself for six months. So this was highly confusing for me. Highly confusing for me. Um, And I really realized, what am I? Because I thought I was a yogi. I thought that this was everything about who I was. And now I haven't done it and I'm more full than ever. So I'm not saying that the practice didn't get me there. It did. Mm -hmm. It did. But it just took on a different form. So at that point, what I realized was you actually need nothing outside of yourself to attain fulfillment. And I realized that I don't need yoga. I don't need meditation. I don't need spiritual teachings and studies. I found it within. But that being said, I do it when I'm actively inspired to do it. I recognize it as a primary tool to keep me stabilized when I feel actively inspired to meditate, I do or do yoga, but really now my goal is to embody that mentality and alignment all the time. Again, that's me being a single person, dedicating my life to this kind of work where I literally try to keep, and I work to keep myself in proper alignment so I do not need anything outside of myself. Now it's a conscious choice. It's a conscious choice. All right, it's Friday night. My friends are asking me to go out to the bar. Do I want to have a glass of wine? I know that may affect my consciousness the next day, but do I want to allow myself to enjoy this freedom and have a nice human experience? Sure. I consciously do it. And then I realize the conscious repercussions the following day if I stay up till three in the morning and I have two or three glasses of wine, right? I recognize it. It's just awareness, Uh right? But that level of, of dedication is really my underlying goal and and catalyst. And now I'm at the point where I value deeply any external tool that's gonna bring somebody consciousness and awareness, but I don't need it. Uh I don't need it anymore. I don't dwell on it, I don't preach it. I preach the inner work and then whatever I wanna do externally for my own pleasure, or if I allow myself to get out of balance, Okay, the next day I'm gonna have to give, you know, I'll do a salt bath, chill out, sleep in today, do some meditation, get myself back on track. But it's my goal for myself 
And this may be a harsh reality for some people, but uh, you know, for me, working with people spiritually and helping them see a side of them they forgot is more fulfilling than going out to the bar. So that's just me personally, and I don't condemn anybody who does not live my lifestyle. Mm -hmm. But um, you know, that's what it takes for me is to, to try to be in alignment and having to shed and decondition all of the things that keep me from my alignment on a day in and day out basis. And to address and nip things in the butt when they need to be nipped in the butt so it's not circulating in my head to keep me away from my mission. So it's kind of an embodied practice all the time. My yoga is all the time. My meditation is all the time. My presence is all the time. It sounds like you took your practice mm -hmm. and it turned into your life and now you just do the things that make you happy. Yeah. And it's a practice, but it's just your life. It's you know what it is? Is it's simple. Yeah. When I was in the, the aspects of seeking, it was hard. I kept seeking, seeking, seeking more knowledge, seeking this, seeking this person, seeking this workshop, seeking this pose, seeking this whatever. It was actually exhausting. And when I just woke up, I was like, whoa, I was working so hard, spinning on a hamster wheel outside of myself, trying to discover my joy when it's literally just there all the time. Mm -hmm. And did that free up some energy? Did that free up some creativity? Did that free up who I came here to be? Yeah, because I realized life is meant to be enjoyed and we're here to enjoy this experience, not to struggle. And it doesn't have to be as hard if you just let go and trust. Yeah. I don't know if I hit record. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So in winding things down, uh -huh. pretty much, it's all a practice. Yeah. We're all connected. Yes. If you find your twin flame, you better hold the fuck on. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, and one thing, we'll see if we can we can put this in a 15-minute segment. And one of the videos that I watched where you're talking about the twin flames, you said most of the time there's a drastic age difference. There's a, there's a lot of drastic differences. Yeah. Which it could brought last year two years ago I don't remember when it was two or three years ago I dated someone for seven weeks mm -hmm. and it was the most intense seven weeks of my life mm -hmm. it was great but it was also like I wish I remembered the name of the Jason Mraz song but at the end of the song he just starts talking and he was like you know it's like when you want to get back together with that ex-girlfriend and then you do for like a day mm -hmm. and you're like oh no I, I don't want to be here mm -hmm. this person that showed up it was so intense and it was like every bad relationship I ever had. Mm -hmm. It was like she was almost like showing me, mm -hmm. all right, this week it's, it's this past relationship. You sure you want this one? Mm -hmm. So it wasn't like I went back out with the ex-girlfriend. It was like for seven weeks I went back out with every ex-girlfriend so she was a power a powerful catalyst for you to to bring up maybe some trickling wounds that needed to be healed from like those all those of exes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, one thing with one thing with the twin dynamic that tends to be pretty consistent is the polarity okay mm -hmm. so large age gap 
large, uh, usually a location gap. So a lot of twins have their twin in another country or there's states that separate them. There's a lot of things that keep you separate. There's a lot of differences in belief systems, mm -hmm. um, political views. There's, there's everything working against you too. So it's so interesting that it's like, it's called a twin flame, yep. but it's almost like your exact opposite. That's, well, it's, this is what it is. It is. It's your exact opposite, your opposite pole, but when you integrate, you're more powerful and complete. So it's like with the actual energies, when you learn to integrate and balance not only all the woundage and polarity, but the male and female energy aspects, the two of you can be highly complementary with those separates. Mm -hmm. and, and what you do together in this dance of a relationship, because it is a dance and it's not always a pretty dance, it's very often a very ugly dance, but as you're dancing trying to navigate, you're healing those, those differences between you and you're learning to accept and love and really love unconditionally is what you're learning to do. Mm -hmm. So think about if you attract somebody who's highly, you know, different age from you, different location, different religion, different political view. Imagine, you know, this woman is a Trump lover out the wazoo and you still <laughs> cannot get enough of her. So you literally, everything about you is shaken, but through the other person, you will integrate aspects of you and vice versa that make you become the full embodied individual you came to be and to embody what true unconditional love is. Mm -hmm. right? So do you think really the twin flame is really just a guide? That's right. Not, and again, it's like our, our humans, we all were like, oh, my soulmate, my twin flame, and this is the person that I'm going to hold Gotta ever let so, go of the labels. so tight. When really it's just a reflection of yourself in the highest form meant to kick your ass. That's right. They, they, <laughs> the, the beauty is that they reflect not only your genius and your beauty. You can see it through the eyes. That, that's what keeps you guys doing the work. Mm -hmm. Is There is the element of deep, unconditional love and attraction and, and seeing yourself as complete and whole as you ever have through the eyes of another. But on the same token, they will be just as willing to show you where your limiting beliefs are, where your wounds are, and bring out every possible trigger that you've held in your body, your family's held in their bloodline, and even the collective to work through that too. So it's both. And it's the, it's the goal to navigate multiple energies, multiple realms, multiple personalities, and still embody unconditional love without judgment. And if the world could do that, and if relationships could be that way, what a different world we would be in. Is not to fight and say, my way's right, your way's wrong. Is to accept and unconditionally understand that people are coming from different aspects and to not get yourself so involved that you lose your embodiment of unconditional love. Right? Deep. Did you get all that? Steep. So thank you so much for oh, taking the time to hang out and my chat. Pleasure. This was so much fun. Um, and best to you. I'm, this is awesome. I'm so happy oh, you're doing this. Thank this you. is what the world needs. Bring the awareness, bring, bring the truth, bring the people who are working actively to get this out there. And I think, you know, obviously it'll do wonders for the world. So thank you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Where can everybody out there? find you where can they follow you where can they watch all of your wonderful videos and learn all the things see what's going on um well my website is stephaniemodavis.com
Um, I'm on Facebook, Stephanie Danielle Mo Davis. Uh, I do have a YouTube channel called Stephanie Danielle, The Mystic Messenger. That's really and it. And Facebook, there's a Facebook The Mystic there's, Messenger. There's Facebook Mystic Messenger as well. Yeah. I link all of those things up. Yeah. Check <laughs> her out. She has good stuff. I'm trying. Oh, I'm you human do. And I'm trying. Right. That's <laughs> yeah. all we can do. Yeah. Just try. There's an old Seinfeld episode where Kramer gets a job that he really doesn't get paid for. And he's working really hard, and Jerry gets upset because Kramer's not around. And he comes home one day, and he's just like, I'm just trying to get ahead, Jerry. I'm just trying to get ahead. Exactly. That's, That's where we're, we're all just, at. We're just yep. trying to get ahead. That's right. That's right. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you so much, Joe. Thank you all for watching. I will see you next week. Bye. <laughs>